Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. That is a quote by Babe Ruth. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 66. Before I start the show this week, I would like to let you know that my book is available. It is out now, it's everywhere books are sold, From a Mess to Amazing, Seven Steps to Create the Life You Deserve. If you need some motivation or an inspiration in your life, or you know someone who does, pick up that book for them, and I think they will be very inspired to achieve whatever it is in their life that they're looking for. The topic of this week's episode is gifts and lessons. My guest this week is Tim Horn. Tim is a hypnotist and life coach. He was also a public school teacher for 20 years. Tim now teaches clients in Northern Virginia and throughout the world to maximize their potential of the mind, to live with fewer barriers, and to help children do the same, improving their education while enhancing the experience of parental involvement. Tim's extensive education and experience in teaching, hypnotherapy, the arts, and entrepreneurship provide him with powerful and unique tools to help others overcome challenges, break through barriers, and reach goals they never thought possible. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the show. Well, Trina, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. You, um, I see you had a career. You used to be a teacher. Is that correct? I still am a teacher, just not still. formally in a classroom. Exactly. So you are still instructing and um, feeding other people. Um, but you do that as well as you're a speaker, you're a writer, and you're uh, a hypnotist. So why don't you go ahead and give me just a little bit about who you were that made you come to this point? Because you were in a classroom, now you're, you're doing a different kind of instruction. Tell me what led you there. Well, ultimately, everything I try to do in my life Uh, has to move in one direction. I have to move toward my greater happiness. And what makes me happy is uh, seeing other people's lives improve. When I was in class, when I was teaching my students, I wanted to uh, instill with them a love for learning so that they could uh, eliminate any boundaries that they may have, any preconceived notions to where they might be able to go and what they might be able to do. Um, And I think with hypnosis, I'm doing the same thing. With the life coaching, I'm doing the same thing. We have to be within ourselves, moving in a direction that's consistent with who we want to be. So the thing I have for people, the the main lesson I have for them is uh, I tell them that everything you do in your life should move you towards success. And true success is having happiness within your life. Uh, About a week ago, I was teaching uh, a seminar with a support group for weight loss. And one of the instructors asked, well, what is happiness? How do you define it? The fact is that definition has to be done by you. You as an individual have to determine what your own happiness is. Unfortunately, we find is a lot of people are trying to live other people's happiness. And that's not congruent with what their life purpose truly is. So I think I'm always teaching. I'm always trying to get people to move in that, that direction toward their own happiness. And I want them to be open enough to realize it can come in a lot of different forms. You know, I really, I love what you're saying because I feel that exact same way. My happiness may be different from what you consider 
um, your happiness. And just like you said, I find that many people are living what other people's happiness are, or what they think happiness is by looking at someone else. So I'm glad you said that. And um, can you expound more on that? Do you go into that with your, your life coaching? How, how do you go in and foster that? Because I'm always curious about things that can be done to improve our lives and to keep us, um, to keep us going. Well, one of my, one of my favorite quotes is from, well, you're going to hear a lot of quotes because I, I think they resonate with people. Um, there's a, something similar that Lewis Carroll says. He says that uh, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. A lot of people just don't have the direction in their life. They don't know what their ultimate happiness could be. Um, and if they have no idea where they're going, everything they do is just sort of a shotgun scattered. It has no true direction. And then if it has no true direction, it has no true reward. Um, if I were to determine that my greatest happiness would be when I'm 70 years old to be in Nova Scotia, looking out at the Bay of Fundy with my wife, reading a book, spending time with my dogs and horses and animals. If that truly, as I sit here and imagine it, fills me with incredible joy and happiness, I have a destination somewhere I can move toward. And everything I take, every action I take should be aiming toward that destination. And the fact is, in life, you're not going to get everything you want. But that's all right. Realizing that you're taking the actions that are aimed toward your greatest happiness allows you to be fully committed to them. And with that full commitment, the possibility of achieving those goals becomes that much more, uh, that much firmer. So. So, and I... I love what you're saying. We can we can talk forever on this. So <laughs> what do you tell people who because I, I again I agree with you with the direction um because that's kind of one of my my themes is living on intention. What do you tell people who think you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in the past or I'm not like Joe Blow that lives next door so I can't do X, Y, Z. What do you tell these people and how do you get them to see differently in your coaching? Okay. Let's, let's talk about what you said. You are not like anyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, but with that in mind, you don't have the limitations other people have put on themselves. You are capable of doing exactly what you need to do. You don't want to compare yourself to anyone else because you are an individual. As for the negative things that have happened in your life, one of the things I try to stress is there are really only two things in life. They're gifts and lessons. Now, a gift is, all right, Trina, uh, I want to tell you, I think what you're doing with this, uh, this podcast is incredible. You're reaching out to people to try to improve the quality of their lives. Now, that would be considered a gift. And at that mm -hmm. point, Trina, you have an opportunity. You can say, Tim, I really appreciate it. I see some of the work you've done and how good that is. And coming from you, that means a lot. What you've done is fully accept the gift. You've accepted the gift and you've honored me. But beyond that, you've also told yourself that you're worthy of the gift that came to you. With that in mind, there are negative things that happen to us. What you said was, I've, I've done these things that are wrong. And that's true. Negative things come into your life. But the fact is, the way you deal with them determines if they can have value. Frequently, we'll see someone make a mistake, and what they end up doing is wallowing in the fact that they are a bad person. They didn't achieve everything they wanted. They fell short on a goal. But the fact is, if they look at it and they take the lessons that are necessary from it and realize, I've made this mistake, these are the things I did wrong, I can take from that the fact that I never have to make that same mistake again and I can move forward in a positive way. That eliminates the guilt, the anxiety, the stress, the discomfort that that, that mistake has caused and it allows it to become a tool for you to move forward in your life. We frequently live too fully in the negativity in our lives. But if we take the things that are negative to us and we determine why they're negative. What is it about my own standards that say that this is unacceptable? 
How can I make sure that I don't do this thing that's unacceptable? How can I, what I tell people is, we put ourselves in our own prisons, right? Mm. We make mistakes, but as human beings, we do make mistakes. What we have to do is allow ourselves to free ourselves. We are our own jailers. And if we forgive ourselves for the mistakes we've made, it doesn't mean we accept them. It doesn't mean we condone them. It just means that we're going to take from them the best we can and move forward in our lives. That's what I tell these people who are saying, I'm not like anyone else. No, you're not. But you can be the very best person you are. And that should be your ultimate goal. Wow. <laughs> that right there, that's that's worth the price of listening to this podcast. So, I mean, that was just, that's what everyone should have in their mind. But, well, you know what I find out? And I was like this, you know, s- several years ago. You find that your self-esteem is lacking because of whatever. And then you get someone who comes and they try to put labels on you or they try to say, well, you know, you've made this mistake in the past, so you're not worthy of blah, blah, blah. So then you fall back into that trap. And then before you know it, you're like you said, you're beating yourself up with shame, blame and guilt. And sometimes some people just they never come out of it. They don't see that. Okay, like you said, I'm not going to hold on to the past. That was a mistake. Let me learn my lesson and let me move forward. Instead, they they think all hope is gone. And unfortunately, in today's society, we have people who think that because today was bad, that I don't want to live for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, Eleanor Roosevelt didn't say this. It's, she this, this phrase is attributed to her. It's not really from her. And I like to try to get my quotes right. But uh, something that people say she said was... Uh, um, No one's ever been made to feel inferior without their consent. When someone comes to me with something negative, I have the absolute right, the absolute option to reject what they say about me. Um, There's a phrase I like to use. It's cancel, cancel. If someone says negative, something negative to me, uh, we were talking earlier about uh, the fact that we are a closed system. We as human beings allow things to come into our lives. But if we allow them to come in, we can prevent them from coming in. I'm not going to give someone else the power over my happiness. That would be a foolish thing to do. And if someone says that I should go back and wallow in the mistakes I've made, I can realize that that person's advice, it could be a fine human being, but that doesn't mean that that negativity has to be part of my life. And once you get to the point where you see these negative things and you keep rejecting them, Your entire mindset becomes that only the positive things will come in. We create habits, and habits aren't good or bad or utilitarian. But when you create a habit of only accepting the negative in your life, you will find only the negative. I happen to live in a very nice little property in in Virginia here, and there's rain that comes up. It rains here, and a lot of people would say, well, that means I can't go out, I can't, uh, you know, go riding my horses, I can't go out with my dog and have a good time. But the fact is, what that rain does for me, it allows my grass to grow. It allows my horses to go out in the field, and it feeds them. It makes them healthier. And that's part of my life, too. It's the perception of the events in your life that determine their value. And if you look for the positive, the positive value of what happens, you'll find it much more frequently. And this allows your life to be a little bit happier. Mm. So, Tim, tell me, how did you get to this point in your life where your mindset is like this and you have the clear direction and you know what you you need to have in your life to move forward? Because... I know it takes a minute to get there. And, you know, if, if you were always like this, then God bless you. But I know people like me, we've made, we've made mistakes. And, you know, it took us a while to get to the point that, you know, where you and I are talking and what we're saying today. What was it in your life that got you to this point? Well, I think the fact that there were a lot of things in my life that were negative. Um, had some losses in my life. And uh, that, you know, 
could have sent me down a rabbit hole. But I determined that, uh, let's, let's talk about loss briefly. Um, um, I'll, I'll tell a specific real story. My little sister, uh, she's actually my older sister. I was teaching at school and, uh, my sister had gotten sick. We took her to the hospital. It turned out she had a uh, brain tumor. She had what they call a, a GBM, a glioblastoma multiform. It's a cancer that's not curable. I realized at that point my sister was going to pass on. It was about a year and a half. I quit school. I was a sometime caregiver. I tried to allow her get her affairs in the best condition I could. My sister passed on. Uh, I was holding her hand. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could sit there and think about the incredible loss I was going to have. But what I could do was reflect back on the 50-some-odd years we had spent together, all the positive things that had happened in our lives, how she had supported me, how I had supported her. And at that point, I realized you have to make a decision on what you're going to give power in your life. Uh, and then the lessons I've been trying to teach other people the things that I really wanted to be, the, the exemplar I wanted to be, it came to me then that I really had to not only just speak it, but try to live it. As my sister passed on, I realized the pain I was having. And grief is there. Pain, grief, all those things. As bad as it was, it was the exact negative reciprocal of all the love and joy I shared with my sister. And I had to determine in my life which one of those I was going to give power. And I also had to realize at that moment that I had the right to determine which one I was going to give power. Mm. So as horrible as that moment was, it was a bit freeing. Mm. Now that's just one moment, but the fact is mm -hmm. those things happen to us all, all the time. We have those moments in our life. Not everyone has that sudden epiphany. But this is the direction I've been moving toward since I was young, and I continue to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I we're similar in that aspect because I, like you, I have been on this path all my life as well because I came from a very um, ab abusive mother, right. and she was very, very negative. I mean, everything, it was, you know, why is my life like this or, you know, whatever. And I just remember from a very young age, always telling her, you know, why aren't you grateful? You know, what, you know, why aren't you, you know, happy for this or happy for that? Instead, it seemed like she would find the the negative things to dwell on. Um, and I just remember telling myself, one, I, I never want to be like that. Yeah. And after all the trauma that I experienced with her in my childhood, I said, you know what, I'm going to take those lessons Good. and turn them into something where I can impact and inspire other people to help them, whether they're going through the same thing or something different, but I want to do my part so that no one ever feels the way that I felt. That's, that's, that's a great way to look at it. Without going into too much detail about your mother, I want to discuss something in general, because I, I have similar issues with my clients who come in. They've had the relationships with their parents weren't particularly good and all the rest of this. But what happens is we end up forming patterns in our lives. Our subconscious mind wants to protect us against danger, real and imagined. What your mother did, as hard as it may be believed, she was doing the absolute best she could according to the world that had been created around her according to the paradigm that her life had created. Uh, her parents probably weren't particularly happy either. And the way they raised their kids was probably similar to the way she did it. The model she had before she met you was not a positive model. And because of that, she ended up repeating the same patterns. Uh, the thing is, your mother, this is something people have difficulty with. Um, we can, we can uh, forgive people for what they've done without condoning their behavior. We understand that 
the path they're taking now is the path that's necessary for them from previous experiences and from the way they use their mindset to move their life forward. So because of this, holding anger, resentment, all the rest of that against them, it doesn't serve you to move you toward happiness. Um, all the events in my life haven't been positive, but they still can have the lessons I want them to have. And I don't have to hold on to the anger I have with someone else because that doesn't serve a purpose for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it, it's true. And you're right. Because for years, I was angry um, about what she had done to me. And, and it finally took me realizing that, you know what? If I don't stop, I'm going to repeat and be like her. And she she passed away in 2006. And I remember after she passed, there were certain things that would come up and I would just get so angry. And finally something said, OK, she's dead and gone and you're still getting angry about these things. Why are you still giving that power over? Great. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that kind of was my wake up call. I, I said, wow. And then. You know, I was talking to my brother about something. I had divorced and my ex-husband didn't want to, you know, provide for the children, do anything. And I was talking to my brother because my brother seems like my brother and I had the same relationship that possibly you and your sister had. We we are very, very close. I mean, we talk several times a week. That's wonderful. And I was telling him about a certain um, circumstance that dealt with me and my ex. And, you know, he said and he listened like he always does. And at the end, he said, you know what? I said, what? He said, you sound like mom. You sound very bitter. And I was like, whoa. I mean, he could have slapped me in my face. That's just how it felt. And I said, oh, oh, wow. You know, and he was like, yeah. So at that point, I said, you know what? I, I can't do that. I have to let it go. Yeah. Um, so it, you're right. It's it's the things in our life that happen and how we choose to handle them yeah. um, and the lessons that we choose to take for them. Now, everyone doesn't take the lesson from the experience. No. Um, which is sad. So when you come across those people in your line of work, how hard is it? Do they do they stay with you or are there people that you just say, you know what? until you get to a better point, I can't work with you. Because, I mean, there has to be some, um, I guess, um, moldability to the person before you can actually be a life coach with them. Absolutely. The first thing people have to understand is they have control over their own happiness. No one else does, right? Mm -hmm. And it, what we talked about, you said that you're, you, you're holding on to the anger for your mother. That's true. You hadn't let it go. But the fact is that says that you actively are capable of letting it go. If you hold on to something, you're also capable of letting it go. There's a wonderful story I read somewhere about uh, these two Buddhist monks. One's a master. The other is, uh, you know, an established monk, but not necessarily a master. They're walking down a, walking along a riverside, and uh, they had taken a vow never to touch a woman to this particular sect. As they were walking along, contemplating the beauty of the world, a woman came to them and said, uh, I, I have to get across the lake and I don't know how to cross the river and I can't swim in shallow, but I just can't do this. So the, the old master picked her up, carried her across the river and dropped her off. He came back and he began walking with his disciple and they walked for a day, quietly contemplating the world. But of course the, the young disciple was kind of concerned. Why did he do this? All the rest of that. And in his mind, he was running over the scenarios. Of why had he done this? Why did he break his vow? They walked for the next day and finally sat down, prepared a meager meal. And uh, the young disciple said, you know, Master, uh, we've taken this vow never to touch a woman. And yet, a few days ago, you picked up that woman, you carried her across the river, you dropped her off and returned. You know, how can you do that? And the old master said, you know, two days ago, I picked up that woman. I lifted her up and I dropped her off on the other side of the riverbank. But you've been carrying her for two days. And that's what we do all the time. We carry these things when we can let them go. 
there was, I've had family members who have mistreated me. I've had family members who have treated me exceptionally well. But what's the most important thing for me is to love them the best I can. But frequently, it's difficult to love someone if they're not capable of loving themselves. The one question I ask every one of my clients when they come in is, who's the most important person in your life? And what they'll say frequently, oh, my, my son is, my husband, all the rest of this. And I always say to them that to be unselfish, you have to love yourself absolutely the most. Because that's mm. going to radiate, radiate out in all different directions. I'll give you an example. Um, if your son comes to you and he's had a difficult day at school and your feeling of self your feeling of energy, love, acceptance are down. You're incapable of giving your son exactly what he needs to have to allow that experience to be molded for positive for him. If you allow yourself to be depleted, you don't care enough about yourself, that radiates to all the people around you. So by loving yourself, taking care of yourself, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, what you're doing is you're keeping that cup that trough that your children, your family go to, you're keeping it full with the best, most healing and helpful energy possible. And you're able to dole it out to the people who are important to your life to allow their lives to be better. Mm, so by taking that, care of yourself, you're being, you're, you're not being selfish. You're being unselfish. That's, that's so good. And, and that is something that I think, more people need to understand, especially women. I know oh, yeah. as a mother, a lot of times I'm on the go and it's this, 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 this. And then, you know, before you know it, I'm going, I have no energy to take care of myself because I'm taking care of the kids and making sure all, all their needs are met. So I think we have to get out of that mindset of saying, you know, well, if, if I put myself first, that's being selfish. No, it really isn't. It really isn't. No. Uh, as a matter of fact, putting yourself first allows you to help the people who are important in your life. And I, I want you to, something to think about is the people you love, the people who truly should be important to you, they also want you to be happy, healthy, and to love yourself. They want that for you. When you are not taking care of yourself, when you're sick, when you're emotionally, you know, off center, they begin to worry about you. They begin to be concerned with your welfare, which takes away from their own happiness. That's not fair. No, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Tim, I see you've authored a couple of books. Do you want to? Tell me about those. Well, actually, as a teacher, um, you have parents come in and they, they, they don't know how to deal with their children. So I wrote a book called um, Skies Wide Open, How to Teach Your Child to Love Learning. Uh, and I, it, the book was based on how I think parents should teach their children. Um, and some of the premises are the fact that when a child comes home from school, you always ask them, what did you learn today? And you don't want an answer like, well, just stuff. You want them to be as specific as they can be. You want them essentially to try to teach you what they learned in school. And then you want to be supportive of that. There's a reason. If they go to school and they have the expectation, mom's going to really want to know what I learned in school today, they'll begin to pay more attention. They don't want to have that uncomfortable feeling where they come home and, what did you learn in school? Well, mom, I really don't know. Come on, son. Mm. I love you. I really need to know what you learn. That creates within them the need to have the knowledge to share it with their mother or father. Beyond that, it also tells them that what they're learning in school is important to you as well. It adds a little gravitas to it. Mm. You also want to find within your child whatever their passion is in life. <clears throat> I was uh, teaching in a a local county, and I went to a meeting where the superintendent of schools was there, and they were going with what they called a, uh, they were going with a uh, required reading list. 
So every seventh grader, every eighth grader, every senior in high school, they're reading the same books at approximately the same time. And we had teachers who were experts in particular authors, particular genres. They had a passion for it. And I said, if you allow the teachers to teach what they love, that passion will be accepted by the children. And that will allow them to love learning, which essentially you should be doing in schools, to teach children to love learning. Because if you can teach them to love learning, you give them the opportunity to expand their lives in so many different directions. And the superintendent of schools said, passion is overrated in teaching. Hmm. I resigned from that school system afterward. It was just wow. not something I, I would want to do. But you want your child, whatever their passion is, you want their passion to lead them to being educated. The story I tell in the book is the fact that when I was growing up, I loved baseball. I loved it. And what I did was I took my love of baseball and I expanded out to other things. For example, if I wanted to learn a batting average, this is when I was, you know, eight, nine years old, I had to learn how to do division. If I wanted to learn how to do earn run averages, I had to learn the mathematics for that too. All these elements were tied into my love of baseball. To understand sociology, to understand history, I had to understand individual players and how their lives were led. Jackie Robinson, and uh, before he became a, uh, before he became, uh, broke the color line in Major League Baseball, he had been an officer and had been discriminated against and ended up going to trial, winning the trial. This showed the type of person he was, but it also explained to me what the sociology of America was. It also allowed me to understand history. Christy Mathewson, who was a pitcher uh, at the turn of the century, the 20th century, he ended up uh, being an instructor of World War I. And he was exposed to gas that caused him to die from pneumonia later on. So by understanding baseball and all the things that are related to it in an ancillary way, I began to understand history, mathematics, science, all the rest of those things. You find what your child has a passion for, and you explain to them how the world is all interrelated. And by learning all these different things, you can really feed that passion. And if a, if a parent shares a passion with a child, they're able to mold it and shape it in a way that they can get a full education from it. That's some of the tenets I have in that book. Mm. Sounds, sounds great. Yes. So now in your, in your practice, do you, do you have um, youth clients? Yeah, I do have younger clients. Um, again, uh, depending upon their age, you can help them a lot more or a lot less. Between mm -hmm. the ages zero and seven, you form about 90% of your moral code. Mm -hmm. After that, you're just shaping and tweaking and trying to modify it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've had children who come in to learn to learn, uh, who like to learn better, who need to sleep, all those different things. You can mm -hmm. do it by learning to control your mind, relaxation, meditation, even hypnosis. Mm -hmm. I have one child who hadn't been able to sleep for three or four years, you know, they'd sleep for an hour or two and they were having difficulty. And this mother called and asked if I would see him. And I did. And within one session, he began to sleep better. The fears he had as he went to sleep began to disappear. And the fact is, I'd love to take credit for it, but it was the child being willing to accept that he could change himself. Mm. I never hypnotize anyone. They allow themselves to be hypnotized. So. Hmm. So, and, and now we're going to get into the, the hip, um, gnosis part. Yeah. How, how does that play into everything that you, you know, you're, you're teaching, you're coaching, how do you incorporate the hypnosis? Mm. Well, first of all, we, we talk about hypnosis. What I like to tell people is that they're, they're already hypnotized to believe the things they do. What I do is I dehypnotize them to eliminate the barriers they've created within their minds. Um, the first thing I do when I, when I have a, a long-term client, I know I'm going to be life uh, doing life coaching for, I use a technique called the Simpson protocol 
that allows them to go back to all the previous elements in their life and eliminate barriers. We want them to have as close to, it's never possible, tabula rasa, blank slate, that they can take the events in their lives and see them in a way that's going to move them forward. After that, we give them practical, uh, practical exercises to work on. And some of them are as, as simple as determining what their greatest happiness is. Or another thing I have people do is they'll have a determination of what they have to do for the next, of the, the, the next day. I ask them the night before to list all the things that they need to accomplish in the day. And then after they're done with that, I ask them to put the things that are most difficult, the ones they're most afraid of, move those to the top and do those first because it allows the rest of the day to go forward a lot more easily. And you're also starting with a success from the very beginning. What I do with my clients is try to create the habits that are necessary for them to not necessarily turn it into autopilot, but uh, the habits that allow them to be successful. And habits are part of the subconscious mind, so there's hypnosis in that. They talk about road hypnosis. It's not necessarily hypnosis, as my, Tom, my friend Tom Nicoli will say. But you'll be driving somewhere and you arrive and you don't remember the trip. Mm-hmm. What's happened is you've gone into autopilot. You know how to drive. Yeah. You know how to do all those things. And your subconscious mind knows it. Mm-hmm. My work is to try to get the clients to go into autopilot for happiness. Mm. And you do that with hypnosis sometimes and sometimes just with creating patterns that create the habits that allow them to be happy. So hypnosis is, is more of just, and and I I don't want to insult you or anything like that, but hypnosis is more of just getting someone to, I guess, look deeply within themselves and, and make, makes their mind more open. Would you say that? Mm -hmm. Because when, I'm 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 trying to learn because I'm not that familiar with oh, it. And the only okay. thing I re- I remember with hypnosis is like you know growing up when you're little and you have the little crystal on a string and they're like you're getting sleepy, you're getting sleepy. No, no, no. <laughs> Great stuff. I have never used a crystal. Uh, I don't use a watch. I don't swing it back and forth. But what? Uh, let's let's just talk about your perception of what hypnosis is. Mm-hmm. You have been taught. Uh, not taught, but you saw what hypnosis was before. And in your mind, you've created, you've created a, uh, a perception of what hypnosis is. The first mm-hmm. thing I have to do is uh, tell people that we're hypnotized all the time. We just don't necessarily realize it. When you're watching a commercial, you're hypnotized. When you see all these political ads trying to frighten you, that's hypnosis. Hypnosis mm. is technically the bypass the critical factor of the conscious mind where your conscious mind is no longer involved at a deeper level you're taking in the information the conscious mind i can go into detail here uh, how much do you want <laughs> um give me the cliff note version i'm gonna give you the cliff note version okay if people don't realize why they're not happy they don't have a conscious problem they have a subconscious problem We use hypnosis to get to the subconscious level that's caused the problems and change it. Okay. I think I got it. Okay. So, yeah. So you're, you're, my conscious is what I'm aware of. Yes. And that I I know I can pinpoint, but then my subconscious is something that I'm not. It's something that my behavior or whatever that I just do, but I'm not physically um, pointing my finger on it and saying, okay, yes, I whatever. Okay. I get it. No, not at all. This is, that's the whole thing. I, you meet somebody, let me give you an example. You meet someone and you just have an instant like or dislike for them. And you have no idea why Mm -hmm. your subconscious mind keeps every memory, everything that's ever happened to you. And it categorizes, uh, you meet a guy or a girl and you just have a positive feeling about them. It could be because of the way they dress. And you remember someone else deep in the back part of your mind that dressed similarly. It could be the way they smell, the the way they talk. All these different things end up creating triggers within your subconscious mind that create the feelings that come back up. And you're applying the feeling from a previous experience to someone you've never met before. Mm. So we do with hypnosis, we go back and say, well, you can change those things. You can modify them. 
You can allow yourself mm. to be more uh, cognizant of why you feel some way and more cognizant of the fact that you can change the way you feel. Hmm. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Got it. I mean, like I said, I wasn't, you know, trying to be disrespectful or anything. I, I like to learn. Um, but like I said, growing up, you know, you see the, the craziness on TV. And so before speaking with you, if someone told me you need to go to a hypnotist, I would be going, excuse me, what? Mm-hmm. But what you were saying makes perfect sense. And that's something that I would be open to. Let's think about this. Uh, we talked about some of the experiences in our lives. We are raised to believe that our mother and father love us. Parental love is the absolute best it can be. So as we grow up, we have that message that's being sent to us. Then we have the experience of the way our parents treat us. Those two things end up going together. And what happens is we begin to believe that the way mom and dad, who may not be treating us the way we need to be, they are the example, the perfect example of what parental love is. And then when we have children, you're smart, you avoided this, but sometimes you'll end up parenting your children the exact same way because you have these mixed messages and you're hypnotized to believe that that is love. How many people Mm -hmm. go from one negative relationship to another? Mm -hmm. When they see their parents fighting all the time, well, that's love. If they're with someone and they treat them really well, oh, no, this, this is odd. This is strange. This is not the way I perceive love. I've got to cut this off. So even people who come to them and offer them, you know, a loving, supportive relationship, because that's not congruent with what they're understanding at the subconscious level of what love truly is. They end up denying it and rejecting what could be the very best thing in their lives for them. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's now that's very, very interesting right there because that's self-sabotage, actually. Yeah, it is. But the subconscious mind is protecting you. It okay. doesn't always protect you in the best way. Uh, hmm. If somebody, no one's ever taken a, well, I don't know anyone who's done this, taken a cigarette, took a puff and said, Oh, yes, God, thank you for sending me tobacco. They begin to (laughs) cough. What they do do is they're with their friends, and they begin to associate the smoking with being with friends, having companionship, being supported. Mm. They do this for 10, 20, 15 times, and then they're alone. They think, you know, I have this feeling. They don't do this consciously. I have a feeling of, being comfortable in love when I smoke, I'm going to pick up the cigarette. So even though Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice are not here, I can have that feeling again. And the cigarette begins to represent something at a subconscious level that it was never meant to. So by using hypnosis, you go back and you change that program. Mm, a reprogramming. That's it. <laughs> wow. Okay, Tim, we're going to go into our questions. Are you ready? It doesn't matter. We're going to do them anyway. <laughs> We're doing them anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Who or what motivates you? My nephew. Okay. My nephew what? motivates me. Okay. My nephew is my uh, sister's son. He's a, Other than my wife, he's the most important person in my world. Mm-hmm. He has all the talent in the world. He's incredibly smart. And every day I think about how I can make his life a little bit better. Um, he motivates me. Okay. What demotivates you? Demotivates me. Bigotry, anger, and ignorance. Mm. When I see somebody who is not capable of seeing two sides of an issue, it really bothers me. I have friends mm. who are diametrically opposed with me in terms of politics and the way we view the world. But I also know that at the core, they're good people. And if someone needed help, they'd help them. So Mm -hmm. what do I hold on to? I hold on to the positives in their lives. But there are people Mm -hmm. who are refusing or incapable of being able to perceive the whole world and take the best from it. And that upsets me. That demotivates me. Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Let's see. That's an excellent question. 
Thank you. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> when did someone say, ah, my father told me when I was young that I was not very smart. Um, and he treated me that way as well. And that made me look at my life and truly realize that I was far smarter than he believed. And I, it was an epiphany to me that uh, the only person I needed truly to satisfy my life was myself. And I don't mind people saying negative things to me because it gives me the wonderful opportunity to prove them wrong. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What is your fear? My fear? Mm-hmm. My greatest fear is not being able to help the people around me to live better lives. Hmm. Okay. All right. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Are there times I wish I'd done something that I didn't? Mm-hmm. Yes. Probably, but I don't dwell on them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've taken the lessons from them. They no longer serve a purpose, so I move on. Mm. Uh, things I could have done. Be really, honestly, I don't think about those things. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, then I'm not going to ask you the next question because that was just, a, well, it was just the opposite. It was, is there a time when you wish you had not done something? Oh, Yeah. All the time. <laughs> that that does happen. Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't had that extra piece of baklava. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I love baklava. Oh, isn't that terrible? Oh. You know, this baklava is the spawn of Satan. I'm telling you. <laughs> but that's okay. But it's so good. Let's, let's, let's talk. I'm, I'm going to go slight tangent. Uh, if I do have a piece, I don't feel guilty about it. I realize I shouldn't have done that and I can let it go. It's the guilt that allows us to go down that wrong path, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What is your definition of success? Happiness. That's it. Okay. When you have happiness, you have success. Mm-hmm. I agree. How do you recharge? <laughs> How do I recharge? I go to Nova Scotia. Whenever I'm in Nova Scotia, I look at the Bay of Fundy, I go over the Canso Bridge into Cape Breton, Mm -hmm. I recharge. And the fact is, even as I sit here, even as I talk to you, thinking about those things allows me to recharge. They're always there for me. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What are you awesome at? What am I awesome at? Mm-hmm. I'm awesome at listening to people and understanding them the best I can. Obviously, I never get a full understanding, but I love to listen. Because people will tell you exactly what's going on with them, even if they don't know themselves, if you know how to listen. And you read facial tics and all the rest of this as well. Mm-hmm. You know? So, what legacy do you want to leave? My legacy are the students I taught and the people whose lives I've been. My wife and I didn't have children, so my legacy will be the people whose lives I've touched and allowed to be happy. I have students I taught from 20, 25 years ago that I'm still in touch with, and they're having kids. And I think maybe in some small way, I've allowed them to be better parents, better people, better citizens, and happier. That's a wonderful legacy to leave. Mm. Tim, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Well, I can give you several, but um, one, one of the phrases I like is from Richard Bach, Illusions. He said that, You're never given a dream without the power to make it come true. You just may have to work for it. Mm. Hmm. Wow. He also said, argue for your limitations and they become yours. So don't argue for limitations. Mm. Wow. 
I like that one. Feel free to steal it. (laughs) I I will. (laughs) Where can the listeners connect with you? Well, you can go to my website, uh, unleashyourownsuccess.com. I do uh, I do programs to allow people to move toward their greater happiness. In terms of hypnosis, if you want to be trained as a hypnotist or do advanced hypnosis, I also have a website called Hypnoconsult, H-Y-P-N-O-C-O-N-S-U-L-T.com that talks about the classes I'm teaching, the books I have, and speaking engagements. Or feel free to email me at Tim Horn, T-I-M-H-O-R-N, Ph.D., the number one at AOL.com. I love talking to people about what I do. All right. Well, Tim, I thank you for um, coming on to Trina Talk and educating me as well as the listeners. It's been very interesting. And I hope you um, have a great day. Well, thank you. And by the way, I want to thank you for doing this. I think it's a wonderful Uh, I think it's a wonderful activity. And beyond that, I think it truly does help you move toward your greater happiness because this is a mission for you. That's great. It is. It is. is. And and thank you for recognizing that. That's it. (laughs) If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.